Welcome to Local Matter Sports. This is your host, Sam Brooks, and I got Coach Matt Braga in the house today from Tennessee Tech Baseball. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. So glad to be here. Man, you've been on my list for a long, long time, and I, I finally I ran into you at an event. Appreciate you, you know, spur of the moment there, just agreeing to come over and be a part of the show. Yeah, ex- excited to be here. I always love to talk baseball. Man, we've got so much that we could talk about, but, you know, this show's more about folks kind of getting to know you personally on the radio. And so I won't, I won't really jump back to uh, your days as, as a, a child growing up. You know, where did you grow up? Talk a little bit about your family, your parents especially, and, and kind of give everybody a, a sense of where you grew up. Yeah, so Sam grew up in Northeast Ohio, Jefferson, Ohio, which is up in Ashtabula County, um, which is the most northeast part of the state, so right off of Lake Erie. So we had all that good lake effect snow and, um, you know, had to, got to enjoy that growing up. We had the snowmobiles, got to go snowmobiling a bunch, pushing a lot of snow around. Uh, I was just telling a story the other day, my dad and I, you know, how, like, you go home, you go come home from college, and how do you play long toss? How do you play catch to keep your arm in shape? My dad and I'd go out in the road out in front of our house, and we'd take the shovel, and you know we'd get <laughs> circles big enough for where we could put our feet and ha- have a ball and, and and play some catch. But love that, still love Jefferson, Ohio. It's it'll always be home to me, and what a great place to grow up. So I gotta I gotta touch on that a little bit. That to me that is incredible. <laughs> so you you talk about lake effect snow, and just a, like a week ago. You know, I saw on the Weather Channel where they had like a foot yeah. of lake effect snow. But you look back to the east of the Great Lakes and there's nothing going on. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, how, how I mean, that's got to be weird to just get all that snow out of nowhere. Oh, it's all, it's it's awesome because you're right. You can just watch the news. That, you know, back in the day, you watch the news the night before and you could just see it. it would There'd be nothing. And then it'd build up on the lake and it would hit us. And it was so great. My dad was a high school principal. And so I always had a little bit of insight. You know, the superintendent and the, and the school districts are the ones that called the school off or not the next day. Or And so I always had a little insight as a kid growing up. Hey, tomorrow's going to be off. Or, or oh, come on, you know, let's go. we got to get this school canceled type yeah. of thing. But but the snow up there was amazing. And I think it was it actually was used to snow more than it even does up there now. But we literally could go. We could uh, snowmobile on, you know, main highways because we would get so much snow and they close them down. And we'd go to dinner on snowmobiles. Like it was, it was a great time. I mean, I just absolutely it's something I remember and never will forget. That, that that just makes me think. So, so many things that you had to deal with because of the snow in the winter time that we never even think about. When so when you when we get out of school <laughs> and it's not really even snowed yet, what, what's running through your head? Because you guys traveled around. I mean, it, it didn't mess up your daily life at all. No feet of snow. We would have feet of snow, and and here you're right. We get a couple inches, and it's like shut down for three days. <laughs> but, hey, I will say this. You know, it, it is funny. Um, my family and I, we've lived in Houston. We've lived in Auburn, Alabama. We've lived in Cookville, Tennessee. We've lived in Tuscaloosa. We've lived in Birmingham. We've lived in Le- Lexington, Kentucky. Um, we've lived in Winfield, Alabama, so small town Alabama. And it is different in the south because the equipment they have up north to handle that stuff they got so many trucks and plows and salt. Like, they got everything you can conceivably think of. Where down here, you don't have as much because you don't plan on it. So I actually kind of, as a northerner, northerners, <laughs> when I was younger down in the south, we would be like, oh, this is crazy. They're canceling things. But now the longer I've been here, the more I'm like, you know what? I get why they're can't Like, they don't they don't have the equipment we don't have the equipment here to handle it yeah. and so uh but yeah it, it's uh it's definitely different but uh but but old Jefferson Ohio is good you know one thing I was going to tell you Sam when I grew, was growing up in Ohio it was so great because 
our house was five houses down the street from my my mom's parents. So my, my papa and grandma, I called them. And then a mile away was my dad's parents. So that's my grandma and grandpa. Then next door to them was my aunt and uncle and all their cousins. So me and my brother, like you talk about a great environment growing up. And then my papa and grandma that lived four houses down owned it. Owned it. We were a small town, Ohio, news about 2,000, 2,500 people. And they owned a newsroom in downtown um, Jefferson, Ohio. And so my brother and I would grow up working that newsroom and we'd work through the winter. We'd work anytime we could around, you know, around our sports and around our school. And so, uh, it's, it's a great, that, that place up there. I, I still, I, I still love the Browns, the Cleveland Browns. You just get it in your blood and you can't help it. And people down here don't love this. And obviously I'm a Tennessee Tech fan, number one, <laughs> but, but after Tennessee Tech, my team is Ohio State. I root for the Buckeyes and I get a lot of slack for that being here in Tennessee. But, uh, both my parents went to the Ohio State. And so uh, that's kind of that Ohio's in my blood a little bit. Well, one of my best friends, Rick Marsh, who lives here and, and works kind of in Portland, uh, he's a big Ohio State fan. He grew up in uh, Youngstown. Yeah, Youngstown's so, great. The Penguins. He, yeah. You guys would hit it off. I hear this OH. Oh, yeah, yes, sir. All the time. <laughs> yes, sir. I, I got to tell you, the, you know, you, you, the fans of Ohio State are very loyal. Yes. And there's a lot of them out there. So. No doubt. I mean, you, you can have another college team. There you go, right? Take. That's okay. There you we, go. We'll, yes, we'll let sir. you do that. <laughs> and, I, you know, I grew up in in the shadows of Nayland Stadium. And I, oh, wow. I'm not a big I'm not a big ball fan. At Is that all. right? I'm, I'm, That's I'm, surprising. I'm Tech. They ask me all the time, "What's your favorite college team?" I'm like, what? "I mean, who do you think my you, favorite college team?" Is? Where you played, right? Where you it's played. Where, it's yeah. where you played. Yeah. Yes. University of Tennessee never did anything for me. So. I love it. I love anyway, it. Anyway, that's yeah. neither, neither here nor there. <laughs> but um, to get to where you have gotten along your career, which we'll we'll touch on as we go. You had to have a supportive family, especially mom and dad. What were their names, and and how? Did you feel like they supported you along the way as far as sports are concerned? Yeah, my dad's Larry. My mom is Carol. And uh, they have been un- – my brother is Drew. And they – you talk about support. I mean, so so I grew up wanting to play professional baseball, like a lot of kids, right? Hey, I'm going to play professional baseball. <laughs> I want to play in the big leagues. And that's what I wanted to do. And so they would like literally we'd be on vacations, we'd take bucket of buckets of balls, we would take obviously bats, gloves, and we'd hit. And my brother was a tennis player, but he would go shag in the outfield for me when I was hitting. My mom would go, she'd shag in the outfield. Um heck when we were at home in Ohio, my papa would be on his moped, he had a basket on his moped, he'd drive around the outfield wow. shagging balls. So you talk about support. Like I mentioned earlier, we get shovels out, we throw in the snow to make sure my arm was ready um, for when I went back to college. And so uh, so you talk about supportive family and, and trying to help a young man, you know, accomplish dreams, that type of thing. They coached my little my, – my dad would coach my Little League teams, my Legion teams, because that's what it used to be growing up was the Legion deal. And and uh, so just very supportive. My, my mom and dad live here in Cookville now. Oh. And uh, my dad is actu- actually our director of player development is the, is yeah, the title. And so uh, it's, been, it's been amazing. He's been with me at Tech a lot of the years that I've been here, maybe not the first few uh, back in the day, like 04 and 05 and 06, but maybe about 06, 07. Him and my mom and my mom and dad and my grandma, my pop had passed away. My mom's mom moved down here, and, wow. and they've kind of been with us when we moved to Houston, when we moved to Auburn, and now that we're back in Cookville. And wow. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm blessed beyond belief to have had that opportunity to be around my family basically for the 52 years of my life. Yeah. 
We're talking to head coach Matt Braga from Tennessee Tech Baseball. And coach, that level of support at that time, you know, is really incredible to, to hear about because, you know, parents, all parents, uh, and more so today, they're so busy, you know, doing what they do. Very rarely do they have time, but it sounds like your dad just made time. He made time. That's that's exactly right. And as I mentioned, Sam, he was a high school principal. And so we could have access to weight room when we wanted access to weight room. We could have access to indoor cages, the old jugs machine, the baseball jugs mach- pitching machines they used to have had access to that. And as you mentioned, they uh, my parents just made time. And and it's it's remarkable because, you know, I I now as a dad try to emulate that for our son and daughter. Like, hey, you know what, this is what I had growing up and I couldn't have asked for more. So now my job is to pass that on and do the same thing for our kids. And I'm not perfect by any means, but I try my best. No, and let's take it. That really is a good segue to my next question. Let's take a look at that versus, you know, you had to create those opportunities when you were younger. Nowadays, these kids, especially in baseball and basketball, um, with, with the clubs that you have, they have all kinds of opportunities. If, if they don't get enough time in, in the sport, it's their own fault. But it's almost gone some ways too far because it's, it's affecting other sports. So you don't find kids playing three sports anymore like you would when you and I were growing up. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I think one thing, Sam, that, that, made me play three sports in was because I was in Ohio and we have seasons. There's an actual winter up there. Like you're not going out and playing baseball in Northeast Ohio in February or January. So it kind of led itself to be a three sports athlete because you just couldn't play one sport the whole time. But you're exactly right. The pressure today is like you have to be so good at that one sport that kids are like, my goodness, if I don't drop football and basketball from a baseball perspective, if I don't drop football and basketball to focus on baseball, I might get left in the dust. And so that that's exactly what's happening, and not just in the sport of baseball. With the other two major sports, and golf, I'm sure golf's the same way. I'm sure there's a lot of sports that same way. And, and it's actually sad because I think – those movements from those other sports can help you in baseball or could help you in basketball or football if you're able to play all three. But, man, the specialization is new level right now for sure. So real quick, if you're a high school coach and you've got a kid that has the ability to play all those sports, how do you – I mean, I've had some coaches say, you know, kind of play them all up till 10th grade, figure out what your passion is, and then maybe concentrate on one after that if you're going to. What would your advice be there? Wow, that's that's a great question. I think I think if you're the best, like if you're just one of the best athletes in the school, I think you can do all three and you don't have to worry about it because you're going to be – when you come out to baseball a little bit late – Compared to everybody else, you're probably going to still be one of the best guys. So as that coach, I'm still playing you. But if you're – same thing in football. Hey, if you had to miss a little bit of summer because you're playing travel baseball in the summer, but you're one of my best guys, I'm still playing you. Same in basketball. So I think if you're a great athlete, you can do all three. I think the difficult part is for the guy that is maybe really, really good at baseball, let's say, but he's an average basketball and football player, then – or or he's average at all three – You. The coach isn't going to give you the benefit of the doubt because he's had these other kids with him all fall, all Christmas, and here we are at baseball season, and you're just now coming out because you're playing football and basketball. Like you've put yourself behind the eight ball. Whether we like that or not, and I'm a coach, and I can see a coach's point in doing that, but it's sad 
But that's kind of the way things have gone these days, it seems. Uh, that's a, a unique perspective from someone who's been there. So appreciate that, oh, little, no. that yeah. little bit of data there. That's great. <laughs> We're talking to head coach Matt Braga from Tennessee Tech Baseball. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. What's so important about shopping with locally owned businesses? When you shop local, your hard-earned dollars stay here in the community, helping to benefit your friends and neighbors, local schools, roads, and all aspects of community life. But what happens to my money if I spend it online or at a national chain store? In most cases, the profits go far away, out of state, corporate headquarters, or even overseas. It doesn't take any extra effort to shop local. Office Mart on South Jefferson and Cookville is your locally owned office furniture and supply store. For over 35 years, they've been proud to serve businesses in the Upper Cumberland with quality and value. You get real customer service, too. And unlike shopping online, you can actually see and try out the large inventory of office furniture in their showroom. And when it's delivered, it's not a box on your step. They're glad to install and set up everything. Office Mart. There's no other locally owned office store in the region. South Jefferson Avenue across from Hardee's. Shop local at Office Mart. Welcome back to Local Matter Sports. Today we're talking to head coach Matt Braga from Tennessee Tech Baseball. Coach, as you as you climb the K-12 ladder, you know, you had to have some people along the way that, you know, you look back into. And for me, it was certain teachers at certain times that maybe made me do things that I didn't think I wanted to do at that time. And I look back and said, man, that was a pivotal point. So you have to have some people that were kind of responsible for helping. You've already alluded to your dad. That that was a big one. Yeah. Um, is there anybody else along the way that really was pivotal to you being where you are today? Well, this might be an easy answer, Sam. Uh, like too simple of an answer, but my mom. Like my mom, and she was. Uh, she basically, as my brother and I were growing up, she put aside her profession. She was an educator. She was a teacher, math wow. teacher. And she was a stay-at-home mom when my brother and I were growing up. Now, she went back to become a teacher, maybe when I was, like, in the eighth grade. But for, for until I was 13 years, 12 years old, she stayed at home. And you talk about someone that uh, cared for her boys and her husband and did it the right way. And the example she set— Unbelievable. And then what's so awesome, Sam, when she did go back to teaching, she was in the high school where I was at. So I'd go between classes. I'd get to go visit my mom and just a great encourager and and my biggest fan. And I think a lot of us could probably say that about our moms, but she is so instrumental uh, in my walk, as is my dad, my walk with Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, um, just implementing great things in me as I was growing up. And then all my grandparents, but my papa and grandma in particular, the the ones that live about four houses down, and my grandma and grandpa lived a mile away the same way. But um, they were instrumental in making me who I was. Like, hey, we'll we'll be there for you any chance we can. My best friend, honestly, growing up, even when I was 17, 18 years old, and, you know, everyone's going out, and we had Geneva on the lake, which was a strip, like a strip lake, like not strip, but like a strip, a strip, like a roadway right next to um, – Lake Erie, where people would go hang out. You go there with your friends and so on and so forth. Like the strip on Jefferson. Yeah, there you go. That's what I was trying to say. I'm like, I'm getting myself in all kinds of trouble. But, 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 but anyway, so, but I would honestly, instead of doing that with my buds when I was 17, 18 years old, even, I'd hang out with my pop and grandma. And um, they were just, uh, just they're my best friends. And so, so they talk about instrumental in my life. And, and then, you know, as you, as you look at baseball, honestly, growing up, it was my dad. 
my dad was the one that that kind of kept me going and kept pushing me and 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 would work the way I wanted to work and and then I was self driven as well um, and obviously along the way I had a lot of great coaches that uh, you know would push me to be the best that I could be. So I'll, I'll touch a little bit on this because I you know I read a little bit about you along the way in preparing for this and. You mentioned, uh, you know, your religion, mm-hmm. and, and that's very important to you. And uh, for someone who has uh, student athletes coming in from all over the place, um, you know, you want to give them the opportunity uh, to see that. Um, I, I, I'll go from my perspective, yeah. uh, and this is me talking. Yeah. Um, you know that that moral compass yeah. that as. America was being formed and, you know, it's in God we trust. And, you know, it seems uh, civilizations, uh, entities of, of, of folks, countries, if you will, as time goes on, tends to kind of get away from that. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see that happening nowadays. And I think without that moral compass, whatever it might be, you know, uh, for, for, you know, you, it's your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you just said it. And for me too. So without having that moral compass between what is right and wrong, if we rely on humans to make decisions on what is right and wrong to themselves, then that ends badly, Yes, you know, every time. So when you have kids coming in and you see them coming from all over the place and you have all these different thought processes, how do you execute that? And without pushing your belief on somebody, well, it, it, Sam, it starts in the recruiting process. So every recruit that comes in our office, and I always say it the way you just said it, actually, Sam, is very eloquent. Um, basically, I make sure every young man and their families that are with them when we're doing our one-on-one meeting, so to say, in the recruiting process, they need to know that this is who I am and what I believe, that the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is my priority and is the center of my life. And, and it doesn't mean you could be um, a non-believer. And But as long as you know that about me, there's no surprises when they get here, right? And as long as they know that about me, they will know, even if they're a non-believer in our locker room, heck, I'll probably love those guys as much as, maybe more than I do the guys that I know are believers. And I won't treat them any different. I'll love them all the more. And they're going to love me just the same way. Um, but at least they know that about me from the get-go. And that way, when I do the one-on-one meeting with them and their families, if they, yeah, that's not really for us, well, then they know it and they don't come to Tennessee Tech, and that's okay, you know, but there's no way I'm going to hold back. You know, we can talk about how amazing all kinds of, like like you think of sports figures and you say, oh, Shohei Otani, this guy can hit so good and pitch so good. Well, why can't we talk about the toughest man to ever walk the earth, which is Jesus Christ? So I make that sure up front, hey, here's who I am, just know when you get here, we're going to talk about that because what better example is there for us as a program? And then one other thing I'll say, like, I believe our program will play in Omaha, Nebraska in the College World Series. I believe that from the day I got the job in 2004, and I believe that now 20 years later in 2023. But I think one of the reasons that makes me believe that, it's not because we're net, we have great players, unbelievable young men, but it's because I know we have Jesus, Jesus Christ is in our program. And and guess what he can do? Anything. Anything. So, so that, that's a great answer, and that, that probably answers one of the questions I was going to ask a little bit later. <laughs> yeah. So I always ask if you could have one meal with somebody, who would it be? Oh, yeah, you I, got it. Yeah, you got my answer. answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, someday, always, someday. <laughs> I, always, I always ask, uh, you know, if, if, if that could happen and you sat down, and that's my answer. 
Because, I mean, beyond religion, somebody asked me that a long time ago in an interview like this. And, and I was thinking, I, I, who would it be? You know, who, like, you know, Burt Reynolds and Smokey yeah, the Bandit yeah. at that time or something like that. <laughs> and I thought, and I thought, well, God, it would be Jesus. Yeah. I mean, the greatest man ever walked the yes. earth, you know, perfect. Yes. Know? And so if you had that opportunity and you sat down with Jesus to eat lunch, what would you say? Oh my goodness. I, I, I think it would be just, you know, you look at it and this is good. This is, I don't mean this demeaning in any way, but like when you're sitting down with another baseball coach and you're trying to pick their brain to figure out what makes them special. Like, I think that's where I would go. I would go, okay, so, so, so how did you handle this situation? <laughs> these temptations, you know, that yeah. you were handled and, and how you were you know, spat on and how did you turn the other cheek? But yet, you're still viewed as the toughest guy to ever walk the earth. Like, like I want that. I want to be like that, even though I know I fall short every day. Like I want to be like that, you know? So, so that's where I would go. How do you do this? So then at least I can get a little bit, just like asking again, no comparison compared to a great coach compared to Jesus Christ, but just like I'd ask a great coach, Hey, uh, Skip Bertman, who was the great coach at LSU back in the day that won five national titles in the 90 nineties. Like, how did you do this? Like explain me your step-by-step system that's where i would go with with our lord yeah and I, what were what were you thinking yes you know, oh I, man I, I can't imagine and, and <laughs> you know tara and i my wife are we're 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 reading through chronologically awesome you know, the, or actually listening uh, yeah and, and then comparing notes to it it's been it's been eye-opening right to yeah me to actually and a lot of things that i've heard along the way now make a lot more sense yeah. since i've actually gone in there and started uh specifically reading those those pieces and parts but Love i mean a great answer i mean I, I i i think that moral compass we we all hear and say what's going on with the world today and to me it's that lack of that moral compass that we've had in our past that yeah. we don't seem to have as much yeah um, anymore and I, I won't say every no, not everybody's that way of course but uh, oh, the world's changed. World's like, changed. There's no, there's no doubt. Yeah, we we can see that every day here. So the world has definitely changed. Yeah, and it's needed more than ever. Yes, we're, we're talking with head coach Matt Braga from Tennessee Tech baseball, and we're going to take a break, and we'll be right. Back. Welcome back to Local Matter Sports. This is your host Sam Brooks. We got head coach Tennessee Tech baseball Matt Braga in the house, talking about growing up in Ohio. So as you were growing up, we talked about the great sport that you had at home, which obviously led to some success for you. Tell me a little bit about your high school baseball experience. Probably wasn't as many of the club teams and those things going on at that time. So what existed for you to get better? Yeah, okay. So I'll, go, I'll give you step by step here. So in ninth grade, I started out the year on the JV and, uh, and, and, and got off to a really, really good start. And I had a, there was a senior on the varsity who was our best player. I mean, just unbelievable baseball player. And he, he's the one that advocated for me to come up to be on the varsity, which tells you what type of leader he yeah. is. Cause most, most guys might not do that. Right. So he got me caught up to the varsity and I remember being caught up to the varsity. I went 12 for my first 24. So I'm hitting 500, my first 24 at bats. I'm like, this is pretty easy, you know, <laughs> but, but then it's amazing how your mind works. I go like, Oh, for three, then 0 for 3, and, and all of a sudden, I, I start questioning, and this, this has helped me as a coach, like, uh-oh, is coach now going to take me out of the lineup? I was 12 for my first 24, but now I'm 0 for my last 6, and coach never took me out of the lineup, but I kept going 0 for, like 0 for 3 again, 0 for 4 again, 0 for 2. Like, I think I finished the year, like, 0 for my last 18, and then the season was over. And I look back at that as a coach, and I loved my high school coach, but I wish he had come to me. He knew he was going to leave me in the lineup. 
it would have helped me as a player had he said, Matt, put his arm around me, wrapped me around me and said, listen, man, you're my guy. You're in there no matter what you do. I got complete confidence in you. And But I didn't know that. And so every game I was questioning, am I going to be in? Am I going to be out? So I was looking behind me, looking over my shoulder, and it affected my play. And, and he never took me out. So I learned some coaching by what didn't happen growing up. Had a good 10th grade year, good 11th grade year. Um, where I was starting to get seen a little bit by some colleges was in summer ball. It was American Legion was the big gotcha. deal back yeah. then. And we played, oh my, we played 60 games in the summer. Sam, like we'd go mostly in the state of Ohio, but we travel all over in the state. And we had a whale of a ball club. And I, I actually, tournament, you mentioned Youngstown, Ohio earlier to me when we were talking outside, and um, had a uh, tournament in Youngstown, Ohio, and got seen by Miami of Florida, Kentucky, Clemson. Um, and they all three reached out to me after the tournament. None of them offered a scholarship. So I'm like, oh, man, I can't, you know, uh, what are we going to do? Clemson then decided to come watch me my senior year. Recruiting was a little different then because sure. now by your senior year, you're, you're committed. Signed, yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's over. But they came and watched me my senior year, and it was snowing uh, in, in Ohio. <laughs> and I remember specifically I, I had a pop-up to right field, and the flakes were big, and the guy couldn't see it, and I got a double. Now, that didn't impress the Clemson guy, a pop-up, right? But for me, I'm at, least, hey, at least I got a double. Yeah. But so I, I didn't perform very well that day. And so he left, and that was the end of it. So I'm finishing up my high school career, and I have no idea where I'm going to go. And I was I was a good baseball player, could really hit. Um, I was a catcher. Um, my arm was not good enough, but I could really hit. I had a hit tool. So I had one offer um, coming out of high school to West Virginia Wesleyan. It was an NAI school in Buchanan, West Virginia. And so quite honestly, Sam, I didn't really want to go there, but I didn't know what else to do. Kentucky had dabbled around with me from a, a walk-on perspective. Miami of Florida had offered me a walk-on perspective. But that was back in the days. They'd bring 70 guys in, and although they're do, people are doing that again now. but but And I didn't know what a walk-on really meant at right. that time. I thought, oh, no, no, I need we need money, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, decided to go to West Virginia Wesleyan. I know I'm getting into college, not high school. That's good. But uh, went to West Virginia Wesleyan. I was there a semester, and I wasn't happy. It wasn't baseball to me. Like, I'm a baseball fanatic. So I come home at Christmas and uh, decide to call Kentucky's head coach. They had rec- Like I had mentioned, they had recruited me some. So I call Kentucky's head coach and say, hey, you know, uh, what do you think? I'm a catcher. They knew me because they had recruited me some. Sure. I'm a catcher, left-handed hitter. And they said, come on, walk on. So obviously my parents, I asked my parents, my grandparents, hey, can you guys help me at least skip through this a little bit? And again, very supportive. And so that's kind of works my way through high school into my first year of college and how I ended up at, at Kentucky. Wow. So, I mean, it, that's probably a good thing that you went to uh, to West Virginia Wesleyan because you got the chance to see what you didn't want to be and yes, didn't sir. want to do because you would already always question that. And then you reached out to him. You took it on your own and reached out to him and got in there. So you get your chance at Kentucky and, and you get on there to campus. I can't imagine the difference awesome. between West Virginia Wesley, yeah. which I'm not down. I mean, no, it's no. great. Yeah. Uh, but the University of Kentucky, tell yeah. us a little bit about it. It, it, was, it was awesome. I, remember, I still remember, my goodness, how many years ago that was, but I still remember my first day of batting practice. And they had a short right field fence at the time, like 315 down the line, 360 in the gap. And um, I hit 11 home runs in that first batting practice out of 20 swings. <laughs> and, and, and it was so good to get off to that kind of start because I was this walk-on that they liked, but, you know, they didn't love me or they'd have made sure I came yeah. out of high school. 
And so it was a good, good first impression. And then, you know, I was a bulk pin catcher my freshman year. Um, I was I, I was bound to determine if that's where you're going to have me, I'll be the best I mean, doggone bullpen catcher you've ever seen. Yeah. And so I knew my job was to someday I'm getting on this field and I'm going to play at the University of Kentucky and I'm going to help our team win. Like I knew that. But in, at this moment in time, this is what you got me doing. I'll be the best I can be. So my job was to make sure pitchers felt as good as they could feel about themselves. I wanted them 10 feet tall and bulletproof. And that was my main job in my mind is that bullpen catcher. So after the first year, you go into the second year. How does it work out? Going to my second year, and I haven't broken into the starting lineup yet. Um, mind you, this is actually my third year of college right. because after West Virginia Wesleyan, I called Coach Madison at Kentucky that Christmas, as I mentioned, and he had me uh, basically, I don't even know what you call it, I stayed at home that spring. So then I that was gotcha. basically a redshirt year. Gotcha. So my next year was my redshirt freshman year. So now we're talking about my redshirt sophomore year, which is my third year in college. And didn't break into the lineup, and but I ended up getting about 36 at-bats and um, had a really, really good finish to that season. They used me as a left-handed pinch hitter off the bench. Um, and in the SEC that year as a pinch hitter, I was 9 for 18. Wow. And that, yeah, because they're counting on you to come. That's pretty darn good. It's your job, yeah. So, so I give that coach, and this is why what I can tell walk-ons now because I went through the experience after that year with only 36 at-bats, albeit 9 of 18 in the league, in the best league in the country, um, my coach put me on scholarship. So I, as now a coach, again, I'm, I learned something from my high school coach, even though I learned a lot what to do on what not to do. Yeah. This was a situation I learned what to do. He took care of me, put me on scholarship after only 36 at-bats, and um, it, it ended up being – a good investment for him. Yeah, he, he could tell you had what it, it took. I think to, so, yeah, yes. In, in the next two years, I guess, were just, you know. They, they were really, I had really, really good. good two years. My, my junior year, um, redshirt junior year, I did not get drafted. I still was basically a hitter. Um, my arm still wasn't unbelievable, Sam, so they were catching me. They were playing me in left field, right field, first base, and DH. Saying I was good at all, but a master of none. Yeah. But it helped me coach. You got to have those I, people. It, right. You got to have those utility guys. But I was in the lineup every day. I set the school record for at bats, believe it or not. Wow. Um, hit, I forget, 341 as a junior with 11 home runs. In conference play, I led the SEC in home runs. Wow. Uh, my senior year, I come back and uh, in conference play, 30 games, whatever it was, I led the SEC. I was second in the SEC in batting average at 402. Six, I think it wow. was my senior year. So, and I always, I always joke about this with Tennessee people. You guys normally remember Todd Helton. Uh, Todd Helton was behind me in batting average, so I always got to bring that up because he's because he's one of the best. I mean, that's a Hall of Famer, you know. So I, yeah. I got to take advantage of it when I can. So post college, um, got signed as a free agent by the Cincinnati Reds. Um, had a great time. Um, crossed the line in ninety. I think the strike was. So I crossed the line in 95, caught all kind of slack for that. I didn't care. I just wanted to play ball. Sure. And so, uh, you know, the day, I, I, you know, we're, we're up in Cincinnati with the Reds. We're playing the Cleveland Indians. They do this every year. I forget what they call it, but they play in Columbus, Ohio. And um, they, that, and the next day's opening day. We're opening up in Cincinnati. 
Well, they call off the strike the night before opening day. Oh, and all God. us guys that crossed the line, we were so sad because Marge Schott was the owner's name at the time. And, yep. and, and we were going to get this for that day and a huge bonus if we made it to opening day. And literally, Sam, like eight hours before opening day. And we still got a nice bonus, but not the oh, one we were going to get. But, uh, but I played one year rookie ball out in Butte, Montana. Um, in the Pioneer League, what a wonderful experience that was. And that was on a co-op team. And I'll tell this really quickly because co-op teams are no longer. Here's how, here's how hard I had to work to get signed as a free agent. So you ever, like, there's a Santa Claus movie that they show around Christmas time. Santa Claus is coming to town. It's yeah. a cartoon. And in that cartoon, <laughs> there's a town of misfit toys. Okay, and and if you get sent to the town of Misfit Toys, well, the team I was on in Butte, Montana, was the Misfit Ball Players. Like, like, so what? What? What a co-op team is? We had three guys from the Reds organization, three guys from the Indians organization, three guys from the Brewers, two guys from the Padres. Like, it was a bunch of guys. Ah, we're not sure you're good enough, but let's see for this season and see how it goes. You know. So, but I had a great year, and then and then uh, played one more year with the Charleston Alley Cats in the in the Reds organization. In, in Charleston, West Virginia, and hitting over 300 at the All-Star break. Come back from the All-Star break. Didn't make the All-Star team, went home, but came back from the All-Star break. Razor Shines, our manager, never forget old Razor, great guy, calls me into his office. This is the how pro baseball works. Matt, you're hitting over 300, been playing every day, doing a great job, can really hit. Um, but I got a directive from up top, general manager, on down to me that uh, we've got a guy coming down. Was, this was single A. We've got a guy coming down from double A that was a third-round draft pick whose uncle, Rodney Sanders, is in the big leagues with the Reds, with our organization. And I know, Matt, he's only hitting a buck 20 in double A, but he's playing. Our money is in him. He's playing. I'll do everything I can to get you in the lineup as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, uh-oh. This isn't what I. This isn't fun anymore. Yeah. This is a business, and um, I, I didn't love that part about it. And and listen, I tell my players never to make excuses, so I don't mean to make excuses. But I I bet I hit a buck eighty the rest of the year in limited time. Sure. But I think if you look at my stats, probably end up the year like two forty one. Yeah. And then so they released me at the end of the year. I didn't try to get picked back up. And that's when I started coaching. And when you got into coaching. Yeah, buddy. Well, that's yeah. going to be a good breaking point. Love it. We're, we're running out of time, Coach. But I'm going to have you back for part two. We're going to pick up right there. And I want to thank you for joining us today. It's been – this has gone real fast, man. But thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll have you back again. Folks, Coach Matt Braga from Tennessee Tech, head baseball coach. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Sam.